This is Supernatural Selection on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com, hosted by Kevin the Bastard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard, and with me, as always, is my co-host, David Davis. David, how you doing today? I'm doing well, although is it always, is it always if I'm only here, like, every two or three episodes? Yes. Okay, fair enough. It's always, You're always in my heart, too. Uh, you'll be yeah. in my heart, just like Tarzan and that uh, artery blockage. <laughs> so, uh, uh, today, we've got a great subject. This is one I've been in love with for a long time. Uh, we're, we're sort of tangentially fitting another subject in, so let's go with mm-hmm. flying and leaping humanoids. This seems very on brand for you, by the way. Doesn't I like, it? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, you, you, you said like, yeah. No, this is something you've been interested in for a while. I'm like, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just completely <laughs> out there. It doesn't make a lick of sense. And uh, yeah, so David, have you ever heard of flying humanoids? So aside from people jumping off of buildings, um, <laughs> not not super familiar uh, with the you know the flying humanoids compared to like other oddities. Um, could we put the Mothman in that list? Oh, oh I'm sorry, the Mothman? The, the Mothman. Mothman. Irvi- oh, even Mothman is definitely in this list. Yeah, so, like, as far as, like, the flying humanoids go, uh, Irving Mothman is my, uh, is my guy that I know. Yeah, yeah. This is, a. Uh, I don't know. There's something unique about it. I mean... Anyway, let's, you know what, let's go into our sources for today, because I actually have some sources I'd like to cite. The first is the absolutely amazing, unexplained, there's an exclamation point, so you have to say <laughs> And it's in all caps, it, too. It is. Unexplained, <laughs> strange sightings, incredible occurrences, and puzzling physical phenomenon by Jerome Clark. Now, Jerome is a known factor in the paranormal world. He worked mm-hmm. with Jacques Vallée. Uh, as a researcher, and he's mentioned in tons of other uh, books about the paranormal. Uh, he is your go-to guy for information on, like, anything in this book. And if you can find a copy of the second edition, I highly recommend it, because this has been my handbook for weird crap for at least two decades. It is impeccably researched, takes an actual scientific approach to a lot of this stuff and um, yeah definitely check it out the second and more sensational book is called Strange But True Mysterious and Bizarre People by Thomas Sleeman and <laughs> I know and if there is a wild version of a story I promise you this book is going to have it because this guy just like uh, like the first thing he talks about is a uh, uh, the Count Saint Germain, and the the title of that chapter is Count Saint Germain, Immortal, Time Lord. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, both of these sound like really good recommendations. Uh, you know, and I, I'm sure they'll pop up somewhere in my house. My wife and I tend to clear out any paranormal books we can find in thrift stores. She'll come mm-hmm. home after work, like an hour after work, and be like, "Hey, I found a bunch of books." Oh, that's, you know, so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it'll wind up in my library at some point, both of those. Okay, well, the, there's actually a third edition of uh, Unexplained, because <laughs> apparently he got so sick of monster hunters, he revised the book, took out all the UFO stuff, and just focused on cryptids. So... If you're interested in a more cryptid slant version of the book, I highly recommend uh, the third edition of Unexplained because it's got, like, a lot more material. Mm. So, definitely another thing to check out. Kid actually got me my second edition hardback uh, from a used bookseller because every time I let someone borrow it, I never get it back. Oh, man. It's that good. Yeah. All right. Now that we've been good boys and we've uh, cited our sources, uh, let's move on into flying humanoids. So uh, people have been seeing, well, other people in the sky for centuries. 
So like NBA players. Something like that, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, during famous battles and people said God is on our side, maybe it was Michael Jordan. <laughs> maybe it was LeBron in a wingsuit. Oh my God, LeBron, yeah. Just just dunking over the Rosicrucians. <laughs> oh God, I want to see. They should have put that in that new Space Jam movie. It any Anything would have helped it, but... Yeah. So... The less horrifying biblical angels are a great example of this. You know, they're winged men and women that show up and they help or warn people of danger. Or they tell you when you're pregnant. Yeah, or or they <laughs> turn up in like a crappy... Have you ever seen that one painting that was in everybody's room when they were growing up of the angel helping the two girls across the bridge and the supports are broken? I've seen my fair share of plenty of uh, shitty angel paintings, okay. so that sounds super familiar. Yeah, I grew up with this thing hanging over my bed, so... Oh, God. Yeah, so the good news is we're not talking about those stoic assholes. We're going to be talking about <laughs> some more modern occurrences starting in the 1800s, and they have a bit more of a menacing cast to them. Well, but, you know, one thing that I like about, like, angel stories is, like, when you get to, like, the more apocryphal biblical texts, mm -hmm. angels are terrifying, dude. Oh, my God. Like, mul yeah. Yeah, like, multi-eyed wheels with wings, and it's like, do not fear me. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're just like, what are you? Yeah, no, it's it's always, like, a mass of wings with wheels around it and eyeballs all over it screaming, uh, I come in peace. And it... It's like that Google generator that lets you generate those, like, uh, images that have, like, all the eyes and stuff. But with wings in it, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. What it sounds to me like, and this is ridiculous with those, is, uh, like, have you ever seen, like, a hypercube? Like an actual tesseract? Uh, yes. It's like a yes. cube coming into and going into itself? Uh-huh. Okay, picture that, but a bird. <laughs> The, in, the inside-out bird. Yes. The fourth-dimensional <laughs> rotating bird. That's what angels are to me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good depiction, I think. Yeah. And, and, and I figured this out, of course, after a weed cookie. So, that, that there you go. <laughs> so, 1877. This is the earliest one I've been able to find. A winged human form was reported as flying over Brooklyn. I'm assuming it was apartment hunting. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all they said, there was a human form with wings. Now, more interestingly, three years later in 1880, over a crowded Coney Island, another man was seen in the sky. Now, this guy was described as a man with bat's wings and improved frog's legs. At least a thousand feet in the air, flying toward the New Jersey coast with a cruel and determined expression. Now, this this sounds like the opening to an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Right, or maybe he's like a recent graduate from Xavier School for the Gifted. Oh my god. Uh, but, but, okay, two observations about that. One, what the fuck does improved frog's legs mean? I'm... And number two... It sounds pretty normal for Coney Island from what I've gathered. Hey, you know, I'm going to have to take your word. I've never been to Coney Island. I kind of want to go. Mm -hmm. But, like, improved frog's legs, I, I don't know. I've found nothing in the literature that ever gives me a clue what an improved frog's leg is unless it's, like, seasoned. Or maybe it's, like, a like an old biological term. Like, um, you know, there's there's different variations of the frog species and maybe like the frogs that are more complex anatomically are like considered improved or something so like that sounds like that sounds like 1800s bullshit science right there so like hulk hogan's legs with flippers there you go okay yeah. that's that you know what i'm willing to accept that one and the last thing i really want to bring up about this a cruel and determined what pissed this thing off about new jersey Right? That was the other thing, too. It's just, yeah, And, like, if it's, like, a thousand feet in the air, how the fuck can you tell it's cruel and determined? I don't know, but, like, I just picture it, like, swimming through the air with the frog's legs and the bat wings going, You sons of bitches in Jersey. Oh, <laughs> you motherfuckers. Like, they're just going, Wow, he is cruel and determined. <laughs> 
Oh man, yeah, um, no, that that's that's fascinating. But, but it's it's one of those like inconsistencies in description because apparently he was a thousand feet in the air, but you can apparently see his face, his face, and these legs, and the bat wings, and the I don't know, maybe somebody had a telescope. I don't maybe. know. Or, hey, you know those uh, those things you put a quarter in on the dock that you can see stuff on the horizon. Oh, there you go. Maybe somebody used one of those. Now I'm just picturing him like flipping off somebody through the viewfinders or looking at him. <laughs> oh, hey, that f- gentleman seems cruel and de- determined. Hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I'm on my way to Jersey. I gotta, go to, I gotta go to Jersey and renew my license. Do you know how big a pain in the ass this is? <laughs> you know what I? You know I just realized I missed an opportunity to make a Beastie Boys joke when you talk about the uh, the winged human flying over Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Darn. Yeah. No sleep till Brooklyn, man. Hey! Hey! So, (laughs) then in 1897, a man was spotted over Mount Vernon, Illinois, by about 100 people, including the mayor. Not the mayor! Yes, the mayor, (laughs) because no one's as honest as a politician. Mm Mm-hmm. But this dude was described as a giant man swimming through the air with with an electric light on his back. Okay, so that wasn't swimming. Those were involuntary convulsions. <laughs> Caused by the flashlight on his I'm back. I'm in a lot of pain. Someone get me. Help, help Mommy. me. <laughs> it's a D. It's a. It's. It's what? What were those batteries? A big square ones that you had to like screw the wires down on? Oh, uh, I don't know their names because I don't use them anymore. But yeah, yeah but like the dry cell batteries, I just picture yeah. either that with wires running straight into his butt with a <laughs> with a, a light bulb. Oh no! Or a potato battery. <laughs> so apparently, this is this is kind of interesting. The Udahe people, which I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. This is Russia. <laughs> at the Sikote Mountains in Russia, have stories of a large human creature that haunts their hunting grounds, leaving tracks. And the tracks imply that it lands and stares at them and then takes off without crossing any of the land between. And there was a report in, the, in I think, 47 of a journalist going out there with his dog and encountering this thing. Mm. And I'm going to be 100% honest, man. This could be Mothman. Well, we know our boy Mothman has been, you know, spotted in Russia before. But, you know, that brings up a question. Like, hearing all these descriptions, couldn't they all just, you know, be Mothman? Some of them, yes. I'm willing to say that some of these could be uh, Mothman. Okay. Not all all of them. At least I have you on the record that some of them are. Yeah, because there's a few, uh, like this next one, that are a little... Uh, let's go with odd, because okay. this isn't like a guy with wings. Hmm. So in 1980, a woman came forward. Uh, her name has not been included because I couldn't find it. She apparently did not want anyone coming to her and going, "Ha ha, you saw crazy shit." Hmm. So she recounts. Re- she <laughs> recounts a story of her and her siblings and some friends playing outside in New Mexico in the summer of 1938. And she Mm. said that they all saw a man floating around treetop level. The man was completely gray. Skin, clothes, all of it. But what they seemed to remember was his belt, which was wide and had spikes on it all the way around, which seems kind of weird for them to have remembered that, you know? Yeah. Well, also, you know, it could have been just like a secret Nazi test, you know what I mean? Because you had a lot of Nazis who went to South America. You know, they were probably setting up the stage for the Boys for uh, boys from Brazil program down there. Hmm. Interesting. There you go. Very, very interesting. So... The other thing they noticed he was wearing uh, was a flight cap, and it reminded them of Flash Gordon. Hmm. 
which I thought was interesting. They didn't remind them of, like, uh, World War One fighter pilots. It reminded them of science fiction, Flash Gordon. You know, I, I'm trying to remember Flash Gordon. I'm mostly just thinking of the movie, but did he have a flight cap? I thought he, he just had his blonde hair. He did. He would wear this flight cap that uh, had, like, a little weird little point thing. Oh, I remember now, yeah. Yeah, him and Buck Rogers both had weird little frou-frou flight hats. Okay, yeah. So, it was weird, but he would run around with his hair out because, you know, gotta show off the Aryan blood somehow. (laughs) Again, this sounds like Nazi experiments in Mexico. It really kind of does. Now, this nameless witness had said that she thought maybe, you know, years later, all this was a dream. So Mm -hmm. she contacted some of the other witnesses, like her brother, and said, Hey, I got a crazy story. Do you remember a gray dude wearing a cap and a belt flying over our heads? And her brother was like, Yeah. Yeah, I still have nightmares about that crap. Oh, jeez. Oh, so, so maybe it was like, maybe they went to the theater and saw a Commander Cody serial. Oh, dude, I love Commando Cody and the Radar Men <laughs> from the Moon. I freaking love it. <laughs> oh, my God. I threw I, that one in there for you. Thank you. I, I'm really glad you did. Uh, also, Commando Cody is actually in the public domain. And mm-hmm. I'm shocked no one's done anything with him. Well, he's more like a third-rate Buck Rogers. Yeah, yeah hey, I'll take Commando <laughs> Cody over Buck Rogers because it's always great when a scientist gets a punch to the jaw. There you go. Yeah, so, those scientists have had it for too good for too long. Too good for too... Well, I, you know what? I can't do this. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's where America's going right now. I'm going to back up, and we're not even going to go there. So uh, so I, I should keep some of my other views hidden. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's move along, shall we? <laughs> now, if geriatrics and questionable newspaper reports aren't your thing, how about our country's servicemen? How about the troops? The troops are boys overseas. 1952, Kyoto, Japan. Private Sinclair Taylor was on guard duty when a seven-foot-tall winged man flew at him. It stopped and hovered close to Private Taylor and just stared at him. Private Taylor did what every good American would. He unloaded his rifle into the thing. Then it just vanished. Now, his CO heard the gunfire. So he runs out there and asks, what the hell? hell is going on and that's when private taylor explains to his co that he saw a winged man hovering Mm -hmm. near him and the co actually said that this keeps happening he'd had a guy have the exact same experience a few months ago and they just never officially reported it oh that's just kyoto carl Uh, it's just Carl. He he buzzes the uh, base every you know couple weeks. It just, he's harmless. Is but, this from Mash? No, no, I don't think so. There was uh, a, there was an episode of Mash where this dude kept flying by the four hundred seven seven and like trying to drop bombs on them in like a shitty biplane, and he was so hilariously bad at it. Everybody would come outside and start cheering him on. Oh my god! Yeah, that sounds like a Mash episode, doesn't it? Though. Well, and, you know, listening to this, like, I find it hilarious that they choose not to report this thing that happens to the military base pretty regularly, it sounds like. Yeah, it's like, yeah, but I can kind of understand, you know, uh, the further it goes up the chain of command, the more it's like, I think we need to cut liquor. The the crazy badassholes flying by the base again. Do we report it? No. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, we're not going to be able to score acid if we do that. (laughs) Now, during the Vietnam War, <clears throat> pardon, there were reports of a naked winged woman. She would approach servicemen and fly over them. They described her as jet black and covered in thin fur. Her arms were like bat wings and she had a faint green glow. No one ever shot at her, though. Well, you know, not with the guns. Okay, so first of all, I'm into it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of like, <laughs> all right. All right, but but secondly, you know, I'm just envisioning that that penthouse letter. Dear penthouse, you won't believe how I joined the Mile High Club in <laughs> Vietnam. Oh my God, yeah, no, I. 
you imagine that though? You go over there and like you hear about like, oh man, these Vietnamese women, you gotta go. And then you see that and it's like, well, everything is ruined for me now. Some sort of radioactive bat chick just buzzed the building. Now this is all I can get off to. <laughs> so oh, that's great. So now that we're here, uh, let, let's <laughs> talk for a second. War, war changes a man. War changes a man. But war, war never changes. <laughs> so what, what are you thinking so far? I, you know, I tend to take stories from the military a bit more seriously. And uh, I, I was just wondering if you had some thoughts on these. Yeah, well, I mean, the military does have this tendency to document stuff and not draw conclusions, which I respect. You know, it's just, you know, this is a thing that we saw. We've recorded it. So, you know, obviously someone saw something and they reported it, you know, aside from whatever the fuck happened in Kyoto that time. But um, <laughs> I, I do generally appreciate that they don't mess around with the stuff and they just kind of give the facts as they are recorded. You know, and it's been feeding ufologists for, like, decades, and it's been entertaining me for years, so I'm all for it. I, I enjoy the military reports of these things. Oh, yeah, no, they're they're the ones that I really find interesting. One of these days, we're going to have to talk about USOs, mm -hmm. because the military has so many reports on those, it's amazing. That would be a fun one. Yes. So, as far as our flying folks go, I've been saving my favorite for last. Now, this one is interesting to me because while it didn't leave any physical evidence, it left something more substantial for the witness. It left a song in their heart. <laughs> yes, and unfortunately that song is, Hello, my baby, hello, my honey, hello, I, I my ragtime gal. I was going to say the song is just frail screaming. <laughs> ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 1956... Falls City, Nebraska. The quote-unquote Hanks family, a pseudonym, mm -hmm. has just gotten home from having a grand day out, I guess, and the father, John, is loading his pickup for work tomorrow. Now, that doesn't really sound like he had a good time, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, there was a party, I went. Didn't yeah, really feel I... anything. That's why I drink. This is why I drink a Mary Do the Ice Queen. So, <laughs> so John, while he's loading his truck, looks over his shoulder for a second and then stops and turns around immediately because what he first thought was a kite about three blocks away was something much worse for him. A large, flying, human shape. Well, it depends on whose shape, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like, what uh -huh. if it had been, like, the, the Bat Lady from Vietnam? Yeah, the radioactive Bat Lady. Yeah, no, I'd, I don't yeah. think I'd have problems with that. <laughs> so, it gets within 25 feet of him, and he can see its face, which seems to keep drawing his eye. Its face was leathery and wrinkled, and kind of folded over, like, ba I'm guessing, bags under its eyes. Or Nick Nolte. Or Nick Nolte, yes, very true. Nick Nolte, holy shit, maybe it was a time-traveling <laughs> Nick Nolte. But the eyes were bright blue and mounted like a horse's eyes. Oof. And he said its hands looked like a bird's wings without feathers. So, so it had this, like, human-type, like, head... But the eyes were along the side of the head. That seems super unfortunate. It sounds terrifying, to be honest, if I saw this thing. Yeah, like, so, like, most of the face was just probably, you know, oh, man, I'm just... So, like, were the eyes along the temple? What the hell's going on with this thing? The bad thing is, immediately I'm thinking of Rin. <laughs> From Rin and Stimpy. <laughs> you idiot! You, you idiot, Stimpy. So... <laughs> This is interesting because unlike a lot of these stories, its hands were free. And that's because it wasn't flying under its own power. It was using a giant set of metallic wings with what sounds like fiber optic lighting under them running along the spines of the wing. Hmm. And the ch colors are changing. And they're hooked into a backpack. And it was controlling the whole thing 
with knobs on its chest, just like Commando Cody. <laughs> I just like this whole idea of a jet horse with a little <laughs> chest panel. It's just, just flying in the air. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, uh, can you draw that? I may I may do that, but you know the the other thing I'm thinking about is I'm just hearing this description and I'm just like I think I've seen that cover of Amazing Stories at some point. You know you're you're probably right, and it's probably what's wrong with Steven Spielberg today. <laughs> so John was terrified by whatever the hell this thing was. Well, of course he was. This thing's terrifying to look at. I know, and he's rooted to the ground for the entire. 15 minutes he is seeing this thing. <laughs> I'm just picturing Jet Horse just kind of making circles, lazy circles around the house. <laughs> well, it does. It flies, like, around him and over him. And, like, then just <laughs> off into the distance. Just, <laughs> just Jet Horse. So... <laughs> 15 minutes he sees this thing. That's the other thing. A lot of these reports are always like, well, we saw a dude flying for about 34 seconds and he was 10,000 feet in the air and dropped poo-poo on us. But this 15 minutes of a shared experience with this thing. I'm just picturing a son coming out. Hey, Dad, what's going on? Oh, I'm just looking at the magic flying horse. (laughs) Go back inside. I'm pretty sure if the kid had come out, the kid would have had the same problem he had because... For the next 30 years, John suffered from night terrors. Oh, he could never go to a pony farm ever again. Oh my god, no, you can never take him to a donkey show. (laughs) I mean, like, the rodeo's right out. (laughs) So, he says he he kept waking up and screaming, seeing this thing's face in its mind. It, it got to the point where he couldn't sleep on his back or with his back to a door for fear that this thing was just going to come in the house. Oh, that's nothing unusual. I have that same problem. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no. I uh, I sit like Tony Soprano in any room I'm in. I always have to have my back to the wall. I could see that, though. I mean, there's like, you know, good health. A lot of people want to kill me. A lot of people want to kill me. Yeah, well, they're going to have to try a lot harder. Yep. So, sometime in the 1980s, he finally gets past this and moves on. And when I, were, I wanted, I want to know how he got over this trauma. Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, when can they you help me with the him, flying demon horse? I want to know what you did to get past the uh, nightmares of the flying horseman. So, <laughs> the thing is, in the interview, the when when he was telling this to the to uh, the researcher. They're like, how'd you get past it? And he just shook his head and said, it doesn't fucking matter anymore, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. It's like... Oh, he he's had, been broken. He had to kill something inside his mind. Oh, no. Oh, that's so sad. I know. It's, it's so freaking sad. And I'm kind of inclined to put some stock in this one because... This guy saw something. I don't know what it was, but it was something. And it's one of the most unique reports about an encounter I've ever read. So mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, like, obviously, yeah, he saw some that freaked him out. And I feel really bad for him now. But we also, we don't have a ton of info about him and his situation because everything's done with, like, a, a pseudonym and everything like that. So I, I guess one question I have, like, was there any record of mental illness in his family's background or something like that? And I don't think we'll have those answers. That's true. But here's one thing I consider. Um, Jerome Clark's uh, investigations are really in-depth. Mm-hmm. And I like to think he would have mentioned some form of mental illness in the guy's past or family history. I'm, I guarantee goddamn you there was fucking mental illness in his family's future after that. Yeah, no kidding. What um, is that shoot at every horse? It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it that every time Dad sees a horse, he starts screaming and shooting? I don't get it. <laughs> so, those yeah. are... Probably the most interesting stories I've got about actual flying humans. Right. So, 
We've done the flying. Let's talk about the leap. My absolutely favorite tangentially related thing to this. You know him. You love him. spring Jack. Boing. Okay, look, I understand you get excited, but uh, <laughs> I ask you to put your pants back on. Ah, man. So, here's a question for you, man. Okay. Why is everything in the UK called Jack? Jack the Ripper, spring Jack, Saucy Jack, there's every time something turns up, it's never like, you know, Rotating Steve or, or Stabby <laughs> Magoo. It's Jack. Well, well, Jack's kind of like a, <clears throat> a lower to middle class, like, everyman name, I think. Okay. It's like, you know, um, it would probably be like the equivalent to, I would say, maybe like John here in the U.S., at least for... A few decades, you know what I mean? Sure, it's, yeah. It's like the everyman name. Yeah. Can you imagine if we still use that naming convention? Uh, everyone needs to stay inside. Zodiac John is on the loose. <laughs> uh, bind torture killer John. <laughs> oh, God, we need to bring that back. Oh, man. Stabby Jack should be the next serial killer. There you go. So, what do you know about Spring Hill Jack? So, um, I believe he was a cloaked and spring-heeled fellow, and what he would do is he would assault people in London and then bounce off into the night, you know, for a couple of decades, kind of like a sinister gummy bear. <laughs> I didn't see that episode, but thank you for that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very apt description. Very good. Thank you. So, good for me. Yeah, you get a cookie. So, for those that don't know, spring Jack was a character that did, in fact, turn up in London in 1837. He was always described as tall, thin, strong, with eyes glowing with an unnatural light. Uh, his outfit changed depending. Uh, a lot of times it was reported as a dark clothes and a cloak, like a gentleman of the time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes he was wearing the cloak, and underneath were shiny silver clothes, like silver lame, and a weird skull cap. Again, kind of like Buck Rogers or mm-hmm. uh, Flash Gordon. And his hmm. face was typically ranged from pale human to having a demonic visage. Now, he gets the name Springheel because he could jump inhumanly high and far over 10 to 12 foot stone walls. He could also apparently breathe a blue sulfurous flame to knock people out or blind them. And what did the mysterious and powerful spring Jack use these powers for? Sex crimes. <laughs> yeah. Shit. So he'd jump out of the shadows and cop a feel and then jump off laughing. And they did. he did this for like 23 years around London. Sightings actually continued up into the 1970s in South America, of all places. Uh, Okay, so um, one observation I want to make is that, you know, he sounds a little like Dalsim from Street Fighter. (laughs) You know, the sulfurous flame, yoga flame. Yes, yoga fire. Yep, yep, so there we go, it's Dalsim. (laughs) You solved it. Okay, that's it, it's Dalsim, he had a cape. He was uh, tired of being a monk. I mean, like, and they caught. And here's the thing: they caught him a couple what? of times. Well, really? nearly caught him. Here's Aww. the thing: a lot of people point to this as being like sensational newspaper articles, like he used to get, like the whole "We done found Batman on the moon." <laughs> but made-up stories do not have police reports and the governor of London declaring a man manhunt. But, like, he was at someone's door, and the cops almost caught him. Because he was like, oh, two girls alone in the house. I'm going to do devious things. And a cop showed up. <laughs> he's like the shittiest. He's like Trauma Batman. He is Trauma Batman. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> Somebody get uh, me Lloyd Kaufman now. Uncle so, Lloyd. Uncle Lloyd, please make this. So... <laughs> Anyway, the cops nearly catch him, and he, like, does his blue-white flame thing and leaps off. So, here's the question. What in the hell are we dealing with? 
Sounds to me like the next D-list character in the MCU to get a Disney Plus series. Jesus. <sighs> Is this a jab at Moon Knight? <laughs> nah, nah, I love Moon Knight. It's okay. Just, you know, they're giving everybody a series. Spring Hill Jack is next. You're right. They're going to give him, and then they'll do Forbush Man. He's the he's the Avenger that no one wants to talk to, because he he's, keeps trying to grope Captain Marvel. <laughs> he's the D-Avenger. <laughs> Ant-Man's like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm a pervert. What are you doing? <laughs> we're not, obviously, no, we're not talking about the Scott Lang at Ant-Man. He's no, a, He's no, a family no. man. Yeah. yeah, no, we're talking about the irredeemable Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the first theory that we've got about this is that he was... <laughs> Let me see if I can get this out with a straight face, okay? Uh, theory one is that he was an acrobatic nobleman doing it for kicks with <laughs> springs in his boots. <laughs> now, specifically, they said it was Henry, the, Mar- the Marquis of Waterford. Now, the problem being, you can't even do that today. You know? Hmm. I mean, like, spring-loaded boots. Uh, you're you're kind of talking about the jump boots from the Super Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. which do not fucking exist. You just <laughs> fall down and look like a fucking idiot. So you're telling me I could not be Batman, then? I am saying you would be Broken Ankle Man. <laughs> now, second, the reports continued for several years after the Marquis' death. What? He faked his death, bro. He faked his death. He's not he had, import- he, he had important work to do. Those tits weren't going to grab themselves. So what you're saying is that right now somewhere, Henry, the Marquis of Waterford, is hanging out with Tupac? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Exactly. That's, that's all I needed to know, because it makes as much sense as anything, because the rational explanation is just as dumb as some of the paranormal ones. You know, you're, you're right. You know, it's like that. It was swamp gas reflecting off a of sandpiper crane's eye that caused the hallucination. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget uh, reflective pelicans. Reflective pelicans. <laughs> so, theory two <laughs> is that he was a demon. Now I can get behind that. Yeah, same here. Which, you know me. I did this in Coda's world. I had this dude turn up as a demon in Coda's world. Uh-huh. Yep, I remember. Yeah, because, I mean... All right, we got the glowing eyes, flaming sulfur breath, and he jumps around town like the tick. And then you add spoon. in... What? Spoon. Oh, yes, spoon. Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned the tick. I had to. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's fine, man. It's fine. Now, add to that his immoral behavior and just his general assholery, <laughs> and I think we do have a strong argument for him being a demon. Like, like maybe a lower demon like an imp? So maybe he was trying to earn his horns by honking titties. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how the demon. That's how the demons get promoted. Oh my god! Did you know that every time a booby gets squeezed, a demon gets his horns? <laughs> I don't. I don't like this new version of "It's a Wonderful Life," man. I, I'm gonna use that line on my wife. She would oh, love it. Please do. By all <laughs> means, uh, I take no responsibility for whatever the hell happens to you. Now. The last theory we've got is the one everybody's expecting because it's this show. He's an alien. <gasps> dun dun dun. I wish I had a dun 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 button. Yeah, we this. need to get you a soundboard. I yeah, I've I've got like my little recorder here we're gonna start using. It does have like a four button soundboard. You need so, laser sounds. Oh laser my sweep. god. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll go into disco. So, now before we poo-poo all over the alien idea, let's look at some of the rationalizations behind this because I'll be damned if it doesn't fit and it just captures my imagination. All Mm. right? Now let's imagine for a second that this poor guy's ship crashes somewhere in the UK near London during the 1830s. And he's like, shit. Well, there's a semi-industrial society here. Maybe I can head into town for help. Maybe they have plutonium. Perhaps they can turn this into a badass steamship. (laughs) So, what if the air here isn't quite right for him? You know, like, okay, he's he's an oxygen breather, but, like, maybe there's too much nitrogen. 
and oh. it causes something like nitrogen narcosis. You know how people will like experience that when they're diving, and they'll be like, "Oh, this this oxygen shit's holding me back," and like ditch their air. Oh shit! He, you mean he came back up with the bends? Yeah. <laughs> like he's got bubbles in his brains, and he's lost his oh, mind. Man. And the closer he gets to London, he starts feeling drunk or high or something. And by the time he gets there, he has lost his goddamn mind. Well, then also it's like peak industrial revolution here, so you, you got to oh, think about yeah. all like the smoke, and then like London wasn't super clean either, so there's like fucking fish guts and oh shit, raw what if sewage? He, and... What if he got thirsty and drank from the Thames? Oh no! Oh my god, he have to slice it out and like cut it up. This water tastes like shit. <laughs> well, sir, <laughs> if you must know, it sort of is. <laughs> we call this branch of the river the poo-poo detritus <laughs> so alright we've already said well maybe all this shit has affected his mind and then he right. finds out the gravity is way less than he's used to he's from like a super dense planet and he can jump like a superhero and he's drunk tall whites can jump so, suddenly, this guy's having more fun than he's ever had in his life. So, here's our boy. He's new in town. He's feeling <laughs> strong and virile. He's got a head full of good vibes. And the women here are just close enough to his species that he starts getting randy. And he's drunk. Oh, shit. <laughs> you see where I'm going here. So, yes. we've got drunk horny Superman running around and the cops show up while he's trying to have a good time. Well, maybe he's got this natural defense thing where he can spray bioluminescent sulfur stuff like a squid, you know, when they, they shoot ink out of their buttholes. <laughs> so, he does this in some folks' faces and runs off into the night just laughing like a nut job. Eat ink, pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Taste my mouth farts. <laughs> so maybe the guy also has an abnormally long lifespan and he keeps doing this for like over a century just hitching rides on boats and hiding and he gets all the way to South America and he finds the pickings aren't nearly as easy because everything's spread out and I don't know maybe there's more guns in the 70s in South America Mm. You know, a lot of political problems going on down there right up into the present day. He becomes leader of a small banana republic. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe he finally dies. Or maybe somebody shows up from home and they finally pick him up and take him home. I don't know. All I know is this is the saddest version of this story. And it makes the most sense to me in a way. Okay, so, number one, I would love to see this movie, but I have a twist. Mm -hmm. He migrates from South America up to Southern California and meets a young boy named Elliot. Oh, God, no. Yes, yes. So E.T. was Spring Hill Jack. E.T. was Spring Hill... I, I, I don't know. There wasn't enough sexual assault in E.T. <laughs> well, which cut of E.T. were you watching? <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, uh, not Apparently not whatever version you've got. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't E.T. after all. Maybe it was Trumpy. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, like, I don't believe in spring Jack as, like, a singular entity. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's too goofy for me. Okay. But, like, I, I, I do find, like, the idea of spring Jack as, like, a collection of occurrences that human minds interpreted as a single thing to make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just a bunch of different things that were happening over the span of, like, 40 or 50 years. Everybody's, like, freaking out about it. And then, you know, through the grapevine, it becomes Spring Hill Jack. Like, that makes the most sense to me. Like, it doesn't explain the weird shit that was going on. But all that weird shit kind of being the same entity, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't I don't buy it. So, but, we're, we're going yeah. back to the superstructure again. Yeah, so yeah, since we are kind of eschewing rationalism because it's boring... Mm -hmm. uh, my insane theory is that it is probably the Fae in some form, kind of, again, like an extra-dimensional entity. And then instead of, like, leaping, perhaps it was just phasing. It could have been both, though. It, if we're it could, talking it about could. the Fae, we're talking about something that doesn't have, like, uh, 
mass like we know it, so it could very easily leap over a wall, so... Right, and there, there's probably some sort of, like, fey thing in some ancient record, like, oh, it was Leapy McLeaperson. What if it was a satyr? You know, and that honestly would make a lot of sense if it, uh, you know, yeah, I think a satyr would make a lot of sense in that case. A horny goat man. A horny goat man, you know, I've I've been called that before. <laughs> You know, maybe this is where horny goat weed comes from in all those there gas stations. Spring heel it's like it's like Johnny Appleseed, but it's Spring Heel Jack throwing shitty uh uh horny goat weed. We'll form a sex stimulants company and call it Spring Heel Jacks. Yeah. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna market I, the shit out of that. I like this plan, I'm excited to be a part of it. <laughs> right. So David, what have we learned today? Uh, I would say seeing a person, like, flying just in the air, not in an airplane, is pretty scary. You know what? You're right. I mean, like, okay, we t- you know, like during the Mothman episode, we talked about the jetpack guy, which, as mm-hmm. we said, is everybody's favorite cryptid, the jetpack guy. Mm-hmm. So, have you seen these videos of, like, India and Pakistan where people get footage of just this gray flying man? Mm-mm. I highly recommend you look up Flying Man India or Flying Man Pakistan, just in general. And I think they're all fake, but they're fascinating to watch because it's people seeing a man floating in the air, not moving, and then mm-hmm. zipping around, and then everyone starts screaming. <laughs> it sounds to be like someone who's doing in real life Gary's mod. Yeah, just, exactly. Just, just no clip free fly mode. Yeah, no, he just like starts <laughs> <laughs> just T-posing the whole time. <laughs> T Oh god. This dude bought the uh, uh a cracked version of the Matrix and put himself in with like all the neat stuff. It's... You know, I think we I think we invented a new cryptid or we in- invented a new thing because, you know, if the universe is a simulation the hacker. Yeah the, flying, yeah, the flying entities are just a glitch in the simulation. It's like Gary's yeah. mod. Yeah, can you imagine going outside and doing that weird twist-turn thing and then a tank falls from the sky? <laughs> and then the soldier from Team Fortress 2 comes up to you really fast and says something crazy. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like this idea. Like, if we're living in a simulation, then yeah. I, I say We're going to have to do the simulation as an episode, because oh, there's yeah. so much we can get into there. It, I, I think it would be even crazier than Time Cube. I'm just throwing I, it out there. No, I fully agree, and I think you, me, and uh, uh, Clark need to get together and do that, because oh my God. Clark, Clark is way into the whole simulation idea. Almost um, too into it. Too into it is a very good way to put it. He's also very much a fan of the birdsaren'treal.org website. <laughs> hey, Clark, have you ever T-posed before? You know, I haven't <laughs> seen him do it at work, but that doesn't mean anything. He may just wait till he gets home and then just, like, stand there. <laughs> he doesn't even have a home. He just goes into, like, the coded <laughs> backstage and just, like, T-poses and wait for the clock to roll over. <laughs> Somewhere, like, 20 feet underground, there's just a square with Clark in it standing there in a T-pose. And then he just respawns somewhere on the road before he gets to work. Well, and that also kind of... that kind of matches with that whole theory. We're getting to another subject here, but that theory of, like, everybody's experience is their own bubble. Uh-huh. And they're, they're, it's like their own simulation, and then like when two people are talking, it's like their two simulation bubbles have touched. I don't have that, enough alcohol to deal with this right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's absolutely insane. Yeah, let's let's talk about more rational shit yeah. like flying well, people. Yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to take that subject, and we're going to put it on the shelf, and then later <laughs> I'm going to break it with a baseball bat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, here I am getting censored again. Yeah, I'm not censoring you. I'm trying to save myself. I can <laughs> handle this, but like Time Cube, I'm going to have to be kind of tipsy to deal with it. Yeah, I'll probably need to do some mushrooms for that one or something. Oh, yeah, no, there's going to be weed cookies and all kinds of stuff. All right, well, David, once again, thank you for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you about one of my favorite bizarre subjects. Thank you for inviting me on. I always love doing these episodes. And I, people seem to enjoy you being on. So yeah, this is great. And, it's nice uh, to be liked. It is. It's so nice. 
So, uh, before we go, you got anything to plug this week? Um, just the usual. I'm doing all my comics, doing all my stories. You can follow me on Twitter at HPKOMIC to check out all the stuff. Also, make sure you listen to the Mutant Hours, Mondays at midnight uh, Central Time, 10 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. Uh, I'm going to be doing a Biz Marquee tribute for uh, this week's show because R.I.P. Biz Marquee. I swear, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. And I also want to say one of my favorite things you've been doing on Twitter is, uh, as always, RG Bots because uh, mm, thank that's, you. that's such a great sense of humor going in there and just twisted stuff. Hmm. It's fun. So yeah, we're doing the comic riffing, and then I'm I'm gonna do a whole series of strips that are just like playing with like radio DJ stuff. All right, that's gonna be cool. Yeah. yeah. So you guys know where to find me. You can head over to supernaturalselectionpod.com. Uh, leave us a message. Let us know what you think. Uh, first five people to uh, give us like some thoughts on this stuff. We'll read them on the air. Uh, you can also hit up Mike at Skeptical Mike at Supernat... What is it? Supernat... <laughs> SupernaturalSelectionPod.com Sorry, it's really hot in here today, so... Nah, I feel I can feel you sweating from over here. Yeah, no, it tastes awful, I'm sure. So... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can find us on the website. We have the uh, show notes page up, so you can go back and listen to past episodes straight from there. Um, we still have new merch coming. The artist I'm working with to do the Throwaway Land shirt has some really great art that uh, we'll hopefully get up on a shirt for you. Are we still going to be doing Big Yeti Naturals? We're going to be doing Big Yeti Naturals. and Thank we're... God, I've been wanting that shirt in my life. <laughs> And we're going to do a uh, Bob Lazar shirt that says uh, Lazar focused with just nice. his head over a laser grid with <laughs> lasers shooting out of his eyes. Nice. Yeah. And don't forget the Spring Hill Jack horny goat weed. Yes. We need to do that. That's another yep. shirt that needs to be done or stickers, whatever. Yeah. So you can hit me up on Twitter at SuperNapPod. And we've got the Facebook group. If you want to find us there and like us, there's a link to all that on the website. So, again, David, thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more fun. Uh, I've got an idea, but I'm going to work on that during the week and spring it on Mike and scare the hell out of him. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Well, until next time, everybody stay frosty. Good night. Supernatural Selection has been a production of DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. You can find it and more shows broadcast weekly at DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. Our theme music is Screensaver by Kevin McLeod. It is used through Creative Commons license, and more of his music can be found at incompetech.filmmusic.io.